0: reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 through 53. While the disciples were discussing the resurrection, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were terrified and afraid. They thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you startled? Why are doubts arising in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. It's really me. Touch me and see, for a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like you see I have. As he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Because they were wondering and questioning in the midst of their happiness, he said to them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. Taking it, he ate it in front of them. Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law from Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, You are witnesses of these things. Look, I'm sending to you what my father promised, but you are to stay in the city until you have been furnished with heavenly power. He led them out as far as Bethany, where he lifted his hands and blessed them. As he blessed them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem overwhelmed with joy." And they were continuously in the temple praising God. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection.
1: Let us pray. God, we are grateful for the gift to come together on this day to still our hearts and our minds um, long enough to maybe catch a glimpse of what it is that you are wanting to do within us, to hear a word of maybe challenge or encouragement or assurance um, that we need in order to be reminded that you are with us, that you see us, and that you are guiding us. I ask that you would clear away all those things that clutter our hearts and our minds that keep us distracted from being able to really be present for you so that we can be present here in this space and attentive to what it is that your spirit is doing within us and through us and inviting us toward. Speak through me because of me and also in spite of me um, such that we might all leave this space reminded of your presence and activity among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are some things that we all know to be true. When you drop something, it falls to the ground. We get older with every passing second, and dead bodies stay dead. But there were these reports It was Easter Eve, and at that point the disciples had heard from the Marys, but really, you know, who could trust um, the words of some excitable women, not to mention Peter, who we all knew could be like a little extra at times. But these two guys who were still out of breath because they had just run seven miles from Emmaus, they had a story, eating at a roadside diner with Jesus. What in Jesus' name was Jesus doing at a Denny's? It was all just too weird and frankly quite bizarre to make sense of as and as they're trying to do just that wondering what's happening trying to make sense and figure out what's going on it's in the middle of all of this when jesus shows up to settle the bets and the way this story tells it i always picture him sort of like sidling up, and they're they're all kind of like, whoa, didn't see there. Some scholars say that his his greeting, peace be with you, Salam alaykum, was a pretty common one in the ancient Near East, and who am I to argue, given that it's a pretty common greeting in the modern Near East, but at the same time, I can't help but wonder if it was more than like a nonchalant, hey, y'all, what's up? Because psychological studies are pretty much in agreement that if fear is running running the show up here, That is the filter through which we see everything out there. Everything gets evaluated by the level of threat that it presents. And so I wonder if Jesus knew all of this, that before they could hear anything coming out of his mouth, he needed to kind of pull the plug on their amygdala lizard brain so that there might be just enough internal space so their eyes would stop darting around, that their heart rates could lower enough for them to comprehend, really comprehend what was going on. And so, Luke describes them as kind of rapid cycling through emotions in the first half of our passage for today. Terror and fear shifts over enough to make space for wondering and questioning, which eventually gives room for an uneasy kind of happiness—an uh, une- uneasy kind of happiness that they're having. Like, I think I'm happy about this. Add to this a, spa- a splash of adrenaline and at least three days worth of no sleep. It's clear that the disciples are on overdrive. And so I feel like Jesus is being a little hard on them when he says, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Like, why are you surprised that we're surprised, Jesus? But he is, and they are. Because as we all know, dead bodies stay dead, right? I mean, except for Jairus' daughter and Lazarus and maybe, okay, now Jesus too. But I mean, that's it, right? Like, I mean, it's not a thing, right? Maybe? I don't know. And neither do they. Jesus can see this. He probably knew this would be the case, and so he comes ready to show them receipts. Here, look at my hands and my feet. Touch me and see. And no one seems to take him up on his kind of gruesome offer, but who could blame them, right? Palms and footbeds still looking wickedly wounded, but somehow functional. Their eyes showing a mixture of joy and concern, wonder and confusion. Our reading for this morning describes Jesus as asking, do you have anything to eat? But a closer translation of the Greek is, do you have anything edible? Which means this is less about Mary's delicious kosher trout than it is about proof. Proof that he's really here. Not as a ghost, not as a zombie, and not even as a perfectly restored new and improved human. He's here with his whole self in his broken body. The room is filled with sounds of chewing, Jesus on the fish and the disciples on his words, and they're all standing there trying to grasp the meaning of all of this. What next? Where do you go from here? What does life after life after death, which in case you're trying to do the math, is life after resurrection, what does that even look like? There's no roadmap for this. Maybe not, but Jesus reminds them that this was a long time coming. He swallows, licks his fingers, and is like, remember I said all of this. It was the plan all along, and all of Scripture points to this moment. But not just this moment, beyond this moment. This is not the end. It's the beginning. And maybe it's at this point that a new kind of anxiety starts to kick in with the disciples, because what Jesus is saying to them is stay. 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 And amplify my message here at the epicenter of the faith. And I don't mean stay here in this room. I mean stay in Jerusalem. Get out there on the streets. A change of heart and life. For the forgiveness of sins must be preached in God's name to all nations. And it starts here. I need you to hold things down so that we can continue to shake things up. And they're like, shake things up. Look what they did to you. Forgiveness of sins is all fun and games until someone gets crucified. These disciples have been holed up and hiding out in this upper room because Jesus was literally executed by the state for doing exactly what he's asking them to go back out and do. Rome is not playing, and as it turns out, neither are their religious leaders since they're the ones that pushed the trial through. There is absolutely no cover In fact, they had already started scrubbing their Facebook timelines and Instagram feeds, not to mention deleting some of their more inflammatory tweets just in case. This is not the time to amplify. It is the time to keep low and stay quiet, or better yet, get out while the getting's good. Stay? Brother, please. This man must have left his brain on the way back to his body. Stay. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Of course, it's not about what Jesus, who Jesus thinks he is. It's about who they know him to be. Who do you say I am? It was a question that Jesus posed to his disciples throughout his ministry. Is he a good guy? Without a doubt. Is he a loving person? Absolutely. A healer? Definitely. The son of God? How could he not? And so how could they not? Stay. This means no running away. Stay. It means stepping up in the ways that they had previously stepped aside. Stay means showing up when they'd rather just hide out. Stay means picking up where Jesus left off. It is the second Sunday after Easter and we're spending some time looking at these four different responses that the Gospels portray. Uh, after the disciples learn about Jesus' resurrection. And last week, we we reflected um, with Pastor Peter on how they were overwhelmed, that that was their response, just feeling overwhelmed in the Gospel of Mark. And this week, we're reflecting on how Jesus calls them to stay. And he knows what he's asking of them. There's a reason why his risen body isn't perfectly healed, why the wounds are still there in his hands, his feet, his side. Victory over death for sure, but real victories come at a cost. Jesus continues to carry the actual physical trauma on his body because it is proof that the work takes a toll and he is not exempt from it. Jesus knows better than them how costly that toll really is, that the work of liberation from fear and healing from despair, that freedom from tyranny, the tyranny of certainty and the comfort of not having to encounter the pain of life, that all of this exists in a tug of war between God's desire us to be fully connected and our desperation to be completely safe. But we aren't safe. We aren't safe from layoffs or economic downturns, we aren't safe from illness or broken relationships. We aren't even safe from making a U-turn in someone's driveway, as 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis tragically found out. we knocking on the wrong door while picking up your siblings from a playdate, as 16-year-old Ralph Jarl discovered this past week, both of them. One dead, one miraculously on the mend, but both of them and all of us knowing what a perilous and pain-filled existence we have to contend with in this world. We aren't safe, and no amount, actually, of hunkering down in an upper room or a gated community, no number of degrees on our walls or zeros on our paycheck can protect us. And so, whether you stay or whether you try to escape, your prospects remain roughly the same. So then the question that Jesus is posing to his disciples is posing to us today is this. Will you stay? Will you stay and help to build something good and truth-telling and beautiful and fragile? Bodies are already wounded, and we can't do much about the past, but we sure can contribute to a future where there are fewer wounds. Will you help to build that future? Will you stay long enough to be part of that work? This past weekend, and actually uh, coming through this afternoon, Pastor Jay Wilson, the director of our counseling center, and I have been leading some very brave souls, nearly 40 people, through a time of intentionally reflecting on their marriage relationships through the research and findings of the Gottman Institute. Now, one of the things that Jay told everyone in the preparation email was that this was not a marriage retreat, it was a marriage workshop which means that people should come prepared to do some work. And I don't know how seriously everyone took that instruction, but if they were dubious about how much work it would take, at this point I'm pretty sure they're feeling it. Disrupting relational habits trying on new ways to solve problems, even viewing your partner as being on the same side as you can take some work because as it turns out, the fact that they left the dishes in the sink after you've asked them multiple times is not a sign of their moral failure or a sadistic pleasure that they take in undermining your very mental health. It's that they are fallible and tired and stressed and distracted and, well, human. And that all sounds sort of silly when you say it out loud, but the reality is that there is some version of this, whether you are partnered or not, which lurks within all of us. That this thing that has happened to me is direct and personal loaded with ill intent and full of spite. And if we don't do the work that is ours to do, if we don't disrupt the inner narratives that erode our sense of generosity, of redemptive possibility or humility in perspective, we will fall prey to the same inward and downward spirals as the men who lived on 115th Street in Kansas City and at the end of a long driveway in Hebron, New York. Because of their suspicion, because of their isolation, because of their fear and cynicism and the illusion that standing your ground means pointing a weapon, two young lives have been tragically interrupted. There is work to do, whether it is in a marriage contract or a social contract, because this work and these commitments are opportunities by which we begin to disrupt those mental loops that turn us and our neighbors into people that we fear or despise. It takes work to become the kind of people which God created us to be. And to build the kind of world that God is inviting us to build. It takes work, both inside and out. Which is why it also takes courage. Courage to step out and stay in the work. Courage to risk putting ourselves in a position where we can invite others into this work. And it's this kind of courage that Jesus is inviting us into. Now if you've been out on the streets this past week, you may have noticed some familiar faces zooming past you on buses. Last week, we launched an ad campaign that featured a few brave souls in our community who were willing to be an invitation. And maybe that feels a little exposed, right, to see your church out there like this. But being exposed, getting out there, is exactly what Jesus is asking us to do. Not in a, if you die today, do you know where you'll be tomorrow kind of way, right? But in a way that says, listen, it's not too late to turn around. You can never go so far that you can't come back home. And forgiveness for all of the ways that you have missed the mark is something that can begin today. There is a place where you can belong A message that says your value is not tied to your net worth, and your productivity is not the same as fulfilling your purpose. People need to hear this, and by people I mean you and me and everyone in this city. Stay. Jesus told the disciples, stay and put yourself out there. Share this news, this very, very good news about how we were created to be free in the deepest sense. Tell them about me, about what I did, about what happened and what is happening right now. That there isn't just life after death, there is life after Life after death. That once you die to your old way of living and doing and being, you will come back. And coming back is just the beginning of something even more astonishing. Stay. And do the work that is yours to do. Overcome your anxiety and your urge for self-preservation. Teach the people that standing your ground is less about fear and more about courage. Take my grace. Take my peace. Take the evidence of my wounded and whole body to let people know that our woundedness does not prevent us from living whole lives. Your wounds will not prevent you, do not have to prevent you from living a whole life. In fact, it might be exactly what someone else needs to see to know that they can too. Stay and do the work that is yours to do. Jesus promised the disciples then and promises us today that even though he would not be present with them in body, he would not forsake them. He will not leave them. You will be clothed with power from on high. He promises. In other words, you will be given everything that you need to do the work that is yours to do. So stay. Stay. And see what God can do through you, through me, and through all of us together. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you never stop inviting us into being part of your work in this world. We thank you, even as we grapple with, at times, your invitation to stay. Help us, God, to have the courage to stay in the ways that you are calling us to. Help us to do the work that that requires within us so that we can have enough courage to step out and invite others into it. Thank you, God, for being who you have always promised to be, someone who journeys with us, who holds us, who challenges us, and who invites us into your work of wholeness of life for all. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.